Copy that. Initiating phase three. Let's hope they hear this. podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, Reed was here a minute ago, but we looked out to see where we had left him. And what do you know? He was gone. I'm sure he'll be back. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners into the ultimate episode of this summer mega series. It is Stranger Things season, and we have been spending every waking moment of our summer watching season four. Some of us twice. I cannot believe it. And today are going to be spending our time discussing episode nine and playing a little game. Episode nine only, you might be saying. Well, for our patrons, we've been covering the Netflix hits individual episodes one through eight on our TV guide post segments the last eight weeks. To hear those now, 
Go join our Patreon for a paltry five bucks and listen to the four John Carpenter Redux episodes and then the four 80s mixtape episodes through the Patreon feed. Or you can just wait until the new year for our complete conversation. Last week, Reed and I cosplayed as Indy and Short Round. We'll let you guess who was who as we covered Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And this week, we'll be giving each other a piggyback ride as we finish our discussion of Stranger Things Season 4 and joining us... In the upside down and the right side up and the red keep and the astral plane and the snowball in Russia in all of it are your very own quarterly queens, Vera Gowdy, Jess Fishley, and Asia Swartz and Trooper. Ladies, welcome back to the party. This is exciting. <laughs> Cosplayed? Yeah, I was the same Cosplayed, thing. Whatever. You know what? Sometimes I read sometimes I, I I trip over my words in the moment and I'm like, oh, that's it's there. It's uh <laughs> For prosper- pos- it's for prosperity now. <laughs> um, Vera, Asia, Jess, do me a favor and hang out in those creeping vines for, I don't know, 30 minutes while I remind listeners that here at the fear of God, we explore. We don't explain, except for right now when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at thefearofgodpodcast.com. That's right, thefearofgodpodcast.com. Things like how to support us on Patreon so you can go back and listen to those TV guy posts, as well as essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise. Reed. Hey, buddy. I'm here. I just said you're I, here. I, I just appeared hey, magically. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I heard there was just... a party, so I came running. Well, the party can start now. Cause... Up that hill? Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. It's she right, drops I the mic and leaves the zoo. <laughs> yep. That's, that's what we this came This is where right. he came. Yeah. <laughs> um, real quick, we got a little bit of business to get to, uh, uh, Reed. Itty bit of business. And okay. Specifically, I mean, we've referenced this, I believe, the last two weeks, but we officially, formally have a date for Fogaween. 2022 it's a uh, if if you're new to the podcast listener uh fogaween is our very own special halloween celebration here at the fog um where we hang out we play trivia games we i don't know maybe there'll be prizes maybe there'll be other sort of special shenanigans going on but it's all about hanging out celebrating the things that we enjoy here it's a grand old time um and october 30th which is a sunday evening the mm-hmm. actual time TBD, uh, but wanted everyone to be able to put that on your calendars. The evening of October 30th, 2022, a Sunday night is going to be Fogoween 2022. And I'm very excited about it. And I hope you are too. I am extremely excited. Ladies, are you excited? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Trivia, <laughs> <laughs> prizes. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Hanging love out it. with Foggers. I mean- Come on. Um, a little bit a of cosplay. Isn't that right, Vera? A little cosplay. Yeah, cosplay. Cosplay. Co- cosplay. <laughs> a little cosplay in the costume. Um, <laughs> Reed, I'm putting you on the spot here because I didn't prep you for this, but it Crap. felt important to not just tie this off at the end as an afterthought, but mm-hmm. I want you to pitch for our guests right now and for our listeners right now. What is next? We've got something exciting <laughs> happening this October. And it's not just Fogaween. Nope. Nope. That's right. So we're doing a first in the fear of God. We've never done this in six years. We are for the six weeks following the episode you are listening to right now. We are going to be covering an entire multi-film franchise in the horror 
genre. We're going to be covering every installment. Now, some of the installments we have already covered, so we won't do unique episodes on those, but we will touch base and refresh thoughts and all that kind of stuff on the entire Halloween franchise. That's right. It's Halloween and Halloween. We are going to be doing every sequel. Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween, Revenge of Michael Myers, Halloween, The Return of Michael Myers, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, the theatrical and producer's cut. We're going to be doing the two Rob Zombie films. We're going to be doing Halloween H2O. We're going to be doing Halloween Resurrection. We're going to be doing all three of the most recent films, Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. It's going to be Halloween at Halloween. So much Halloween, you will not know what to do with yourself. It's a lot of Halloween. Halloween just pouring out of every. Good thing I've got all the time in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, so sincerely, uh, we'll we'll tag on it at the end. But uh, there's also going to be some fun things. Uh, We're going to be talking about why Michael Myers is such a compelling cultural icon. We are also going to be, and we'll tease this more in next week's episode, we're also going to be ranking definitively, objectively, all of the kills from the Halloween franchise, the top 10. We're not going to rank every single one, but we're going to rank the the best 10 kills from Halloween. OK, it's going to be it's going to be amazing. So, yes, Halloween that's and Halloween, that's Halloween and Halloween. It's happening. I'm excited we're for excited. it. Speaking of things I'm excited for to the patron mobile. Okay, so we are here. You, you, we're here. We're here to discuss. Listen, this this needed an epic presentation, okay? Mm-hmm. Because uh, it is they aimed for epic uh, at the very least in in length. They aimed for epic. Nathan and I off pod have been making the recurring joke where when we describe the finale of season four, uh, the time that it will take to watch it continues to escalate. Uh, I think we started by saying, oh, yeah, it's the 15 hour uh, season four finale. By the end of it, it was like, oh, yeah, the one week long season finale of <laughs> Stranger Things season four. Um, in, in all reality, it is uh, a not at all brisk two and a half hours, but we are going to attempt to wrangle down all the who's, the what's, the why's. Um, and I'm very excited specifically, and, I, and, and this is what I want to challenge slash encourage everybody. We are all friends here. Uh, we are now, as I consider it, all family here. So bring bring the full-hearted opinion that you have. If you disagree, if you liked something, if you loved something, if you hated something, bring the full force of your opinion because I, th- I think that's I think that's what I'm here for. I'm excited to <laughs> to dig into this. But we have to start with uh, a, a, a version of summary. So we are going to be briefly uh, diving into the specifics of episode nine, and then we're going to be doing some fun things along the way, and we will get into thematic and perhaps more weightier considerations of the season as a whole. But in terms of the specifics we'll dive into, we will focus on the 92 hours of season four, <laughs> episode nine called The Piggyback. I've got to th- um, throw out, because if, if listeners are unfamiliar with our, form, our episoding form, format of the complete conversation oh, these tv yes. guide posts where we drop in this year uh it has been uh, become the patron segments um uh, uh conversations about individual episodes of a tv show and then do what we're doing right now which is the formal final episode and then broader conversation but i texted reed recently and i said 
are you realizing that the complete conversation for Stranger Things season four, Fear of God, is going to be six hours long <laughs> and yet still won't rival the runtime for the season finale? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is so Nathan Okay, I'm sorry. texted us all a week ago and was like, start <laughs> yeah. watching now. Yeah. <laughs> Get started. So, um, okay. So, um, how, if, uh, yes, uh, good shout out, Nathan. If you have not been keeping pace with us through the patron segments when we'll be doing the TV guideposts, we have a, a specific way that we summarize these episodes now. Uh, I used to summarize them by big, sprawling, uh, detailed plot summaries, and, and ain't nobody got time for that, uh, spe- especially not in Stranger Things, where so much happens. So, uh, now what we do is a very specific poetic sensibility that we lovingly title The Fog Coup. So, yeah, uh, I, I have one. Nathan, I'm assuming you have one. Ladies, did either, did any of you have any poetic sensibility? Oh, just I, I like did. everybody oh. came. My dudes. Came. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Excellent so, use so, of my time at work today. All right. So here's what we'll do. We will we will kind of go uh, in, in reverse to what we did before. I, I will lead us off and we'll let Nathan finish us off. I'll just kind of go around the room in the direction that I go. So I'll lead us off with my little fog coup. Okay. This is my fog coup for the piggyback. (laughs) Summarizes so well. Okay, here it is. Vecna falls for now, but Hawkins splits wide open. We'll miss you, Eddie. That is my fog coup for the piggyback. Uh, So I'm going to go in the order of my uh, round my screen. Jess, you are up next. You you, you tried your hand at poetry. All right, here we go, guys. Okay, I can't. This came to me like... In the car, I got the first one. I was like, I gotta keep going. So awesome. All right. <laughs> Joyce and Hopper kiss. Max's worst nightmare comes true. Mm. Eddie, rest in peace. Oh, very Good nice. Stuff. Very, very nice. I love it. I love it so much. Asia, bring your poetry game. Right, this is my first ever haiku. Okay. I try. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> it's very. Uh, one like one themed most metal of songs I could turn around but I didn't run this time mm. that is a very I loving like tribute I to like Eddie like I love it. that so much <laughs> he's I my dude that. that's great that's great stuff now Vera as I understand it you wrote uh, I think rivaling the length of Beowulf uh, a full um, <laughs> epic poem iambic <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a sonnet in ambic pentameter. So, no, I'm just, I'm kidding. But yes, uh, lay it on us. Okay. It's Not. called A Sonnet for Stranger Things. Max says Vecna's willing victim did go, but not without a plan by her friends formed. The kids inside the upside down below, while Al Powers knew with her mind did storm. While friends fought brave and one did valiant die, they did not keep the upside down at bay. Lucas lost a love and by her did cry. Jason from the middle did melt away. Hopper fought and low bested the monster, returning home to a daughter relieved. Max in a coma, brave, but it cost her. Al searches the black, but nothing perceived. Mysterious, the ash does fall on town. Will Byers knows it's about to go down. Holy moly. <laughs> I've lost the power of speech. That is amazing. That get is it. You're better than us. Episode over. Let's just play Trivial Pursuit. (laughs) (laughs) And enough said. That was that that was amazing, Vera. That was great. That has to make its way. You should submit that. It's uh, I'll make it into a poster. 
that has to yeah go. that has to make its way somewhere so we can share it on the socials mm-hmm. all right uh top that rouse <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing y'all i'm just starting to feel bad for the malfunctions because they're just they're just thoughts they're not really like i lost the capacity to summarize because whatever anyway i did two i'm gonna do the softer of the two and it's okay. my dudes piggyback so 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 very long make it stop my dudes <laughs> <laughs> you, you can track if you through the complete conversations make a game of this you can track where nathan goes from summary to conversation with the duffer brothers to personal therapy session like that's it's just like it, it, it tracks completely what, it did occur to me if like people aren't patrons right now and they just hear this i don't know where this next hours are going to come uh where where we're going to head uh but you're all friends here um but they'd be like that gum nathan is saucy on this show it's like it, it didn't start that way it didn't start that way so go listen to the patron segment they start real start <laughs> a little flowerier than- one of my favorite things about the fog coup is how differently you both say it <laughs> have you oh. guys noticed that oh yes reed really hits the g hard but nathan hits the k hard <laughs> Yep, and accents yep. the U, the scoop and the U, and yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, we all like know the what Nathan scoop says. And the U, <laughs> <laughs> scoop you. <laughs> We're all very aware of uh, of the of the emphasis. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't about to get sued. I ain't trying. I ain't trying. <laughs> oh man, I okay, could be so- wrong, but I think it was. I could be wrong, and he's gonna he's gonna call me out on. I think it was Matt Murray texted me recently. He's like, "Did you know when you say fuck you, it sounds like oh yeah." What? <laughs> of course, I know. What Who it do you think like. you're talking to? <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been listening to the show? We all, saw we all know. Right, right. <laughs> all right. So, okay. Um, okay. So that was our poetic summaries of episode nine, piggyback. So what we've been doing. Um, is we've been going into, and actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take a brief pause. We're going to do this. Uh, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change up my planned formatting. We're going to dive into a game, okay? We're going to dive into a game. a game, all right? So we are going to, we did Would this like when we played. Would you play a game? Wow. We did this when we um, summarized season three for our season three episode. Um, so we are going to play a game of tailor-made Trivial Pursuit. It's a Stranger Things edition. You could buy it out in the stores if you want. It has questions covering the first two seasons of Stranger Things and pop culture from the 80s. Your categories will be movies, TV, music, famous people and events, trends, tech, and fun, or Stranger Things. So, because this edition only came with four little... Pies, I'm going to abstain from the actual play of the game, which is fine with me because I'm reading all of the questions. So nobody feels sorry for me. Um, I, I, I've, I've lost to Nathan enough. I've, I've, I've lived that part of my life. It's fine. Um, so, so I'm sure there's, uh, I hope there's more to come. And, um, and so what I'm going to do is I am, I have assigned you each puzzle pieces. So normally if we we're playing a proper game, I'd be like, what color do you want? Blah, blah, blah. But uh, ain't no time for that. <laughs> it's fine. Trying trying to get out under the length of time of, of Stranger Things season four finale. So, you know, um, so I'm going to start, however, with Miss Asia. Okay. So, uh oh. All right. So all you have to do. Oh, there is one thing I should mention to refresh you <laughs> is that you can enter the upside down 
in this version of Stranger Things. So we start in the right side up. We start in Hawkins and then we just make our way around answering questions. But you can roll the dice in such a way, I don't know if it'll even show up, that it flips you to the upside down and you can sometimes land on portals which will send you to the upside down. The only primary difference uh, in this game is that if you are in the upside down and get a question wrong, you lose one of your earned pie pieces. If you get a question wrong in the right side up, you just get it wrong. But if you lose, if you get it wrong in the upside down, you'll lose a pie piece you've already earned. But you can't go into negative pie pieces? No, not really. You just, uh, you're Vera, just out. It's going to be a <clears throat> <throat> 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 totally going to do. <laughs> Let so, it be known that I routinely black out anytime somebody explains <laughs> rules to me. I try so hard. <laughs> like I, I, I go into. I thought you were going to say when pie gets mentioned, and that's no. me. I, I got just <laughs> when anybody out. explains any rules to any game, I have a seizure. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, I wondered what that was. I was like, well, we'll, mm. we'll carry on. Um, so, <laughs> so we're going to check on Asia. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I will guide you through this. So do not worry about it. It's one of the advantages of not playing. But Asia, I'm going to start with you and I'm going to yep. roll the dice for you. Okay. okay. Nothing else you can do. <laughs> so, um, so basically you rolled a five and that means you get to choose between the category of television or Stranger Things. So which of those two categories do you want? I'll go easy. I'll go Stranger Things. Okay, so you are going for a Stranger Things question. Here you go. In season one, when L uses the sensory <laughs> deprivation tank, where does she find Will hiding in the upside down? When L uses the sensory deprivation tank, where does she find? Hey, 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 we'll get to stealing in a second if she doesn't answer it correctly, but we're going to give her a second. Where, when she I, uses the sensory deprivation tank, where does she find Will hiding in the upside down? I'm, I only saw the first season once. I'm going okay. to, like the year it came out, uh, I'm going to take a wild stab. Was it like the upside down version of his little hideout in the woods uh, okay i'm i am going to give that to you okay so it's like it's like a but the cat some hang on well no, 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 okay, you're close okay, okay. Yeah, keep going no, oh keep, keep going it. okay yeah because so you're, you're close me. to it no you can <laughs> it's like i'm trying to remember their last name i had it and then it went away something <laughs> it's it's their last name castle that oh, yes you are you absolutely are going to get this so it is Castle Bowers. Byers. Castle Byers. Byers, not Bowers. Yes, Castle Byers. But it specifically That's Austin says. Bowers. <laughs> <laughs> and it specifically says the upside down version of Castle Byers. There you go. So, nice. um, all right. So, Asia, you get a pie piece for that. Uh, remind us, Reed, does any correct, does any correctly answered question get a pie piece? Or you have to in be on this, a particular spot? In this, yes. Actually, in this version of the game, there are not pie piece spots, pie piece spots. Okay. Any correct answer gets you a pie piece. Because you can lose them. Which is the way we right. play it for this one. Okay, so, um, all right, so that is that. I am uh, next going to go to Vera, all right? Vera, I'm going to roll the dice for you. 
And oh, we're going to the upside down. We're going to the upside down. This is my luck. (laughs) The only advantage to going to the upside down is you get to pick your uh, category. So your (laughs) categories are movies, TV, music, famous people and events, trends, tech and fun or stranger things. Where would you like to go? Mm, Let's try movies. Okay. We are going to the movies. I feel good about any of them, but I feel most good about movies. Okay, so movies. Here we are. All right. Actor Terry Kaiser played dead in most of what 1989 comedy Mm. about two employees trying to fake that his character was still alive. Weekend at Bernie's? That is correct. Very, very well done. Weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) Weekend at Bernie's is absolutely right. And you have earned a pie piece. Okay. (laughs) What if he was like, actually, it was Weekend at Bernie's too. (laughs) (laughs) You are wrong. There are are precedents. Um, Okay. So, um, all right. So, Jess, I'm coming to you next. We are in the upside down. I'm going to roll the dice to see which category you go to. Oh, and you also get to choose between TV and Stranger Things. I'm going to do TV. Okay. She's going to TV, everybody. Okay. So, TV question. Here you are. Which action-packed series famous for its use of music centered on two sharply dressed undercover detectives named Crockett and Tubbs? Oh, man. I feel like I should know this. Okay. But I don't. I know. Want to just toss a guess out there before we open? Oh, up is it screen? Miami Vice? It is Miami Vice. Yeah. There okay. Nice. Thank you. Very, very, very nice. Miami Vice. It is. You have earned a pie piece. Wow! Everybody did their homework this time. This is so no, great. no. Pressure's <laughs> on. All right. This is so great, Nathan. I'm going to roll the dice. Karen Wheeler. <laughs> yes. yes. How did you know? Callback. Her name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's the one thing I studied this time. Okay. <laughs> so. Nathan, you get the chance to choose between TV and music. Which one mm. do you want? TV and music. Hmm. 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 I do like some 80s tunes. So I'm going right. to go music. All, all right. So. <laughs> oh, I go, haven't. <laughs> all right. So you're going to go won't. music. Here you go. Music. Makes the people come together. Man. Okay. This is, yeah. All right. In 1980, uh-huh. what band released Another One Bites the Dust, which spent three Queen. weeks at number one? Yes, it is. As soon as I saw it, Queen I was with like, the Courtly Queens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, Ed, that is a very, very impressive first round of Stranger <laughs> Things. So, okay. Currently. The whole song. <laughs> All right. We are currently in the upside down. We're going to leave our trivial pursuit, Stranger Things edition, and go back to the piggyback. Okay. All right. So, as we've been prone to do when we go into these little didactic areas, focusing just on episode nine, we are going to be talking about our least favorite thing and then end with our favorite thing. Okay. So, um, I am going to start with Nathan. So that he can get some of this you out of his know system. What his so I can exercise the thing. <laughs> so he can just get it all out. Okay. Um, oh, all right. You're going to pick one. <laughs> you're going to pick one. Okay. You're going to pick one. Mm-hmm. Least favorite thing 
from <laughs> episode nine. But I got a nine. list. But, but you're picking one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay, so what's your least favorite thing of episode nine? I feel like I need to roll dice here. Just pick a dang one. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to go with what might be the strongest take. Because you said, I don't know if you, I don't know if this was during the recording or not, but you were like, Hey, this will be fun for everyone to vent themselves. Um, or some version. That's how I, that's what yeah. I heard. <laughs> that's what yeah. I chose to hear. Yeah. Um, I recorded it. My strongest narrative choice opinions that I dislike my strongest narrative choices in episode nine that I dislike. There's two of them. So it's an umbrella covering two things. Um, one is Max shouldn't have survived. And the other is instead of Eddie, Steve should have died. Um, and here's why I'm coming. Elizabeth. I'm okay with that. Um, so here's the thing. This is, this is honestly, this, this, the feelings around these two points are, might be as strong as I get in my thoughts on how this season resolves. Um, the, the notion of character death in Stranger Things, uh, uh, how that particular narrative thread gets delivered in season four rewrote for me how savvy I think the show is not on this particular point, character, character passings, because y'all will back me up on this much. If not my, my results, my outcomes, my final points, which is to say they flirt with every single character having a death monologue, right? Everybody gets a moment where it's, Oh, that person's going to die. And then what do they do? They do the one that is the new character. So fully more fully fleshed out, uh, Ari, uh, uh, Eddie and Steve, this is me. This is me. Y'all are going to disagree with me. I saw it coming weeks ago, but the actor playing Eddie is fantastic. How he portrays the character Eddie Munson is fantastic. I don't believe the Dustin Henderson and Eddie Munson relationship is as strong as they try to sell it to me. What I do believe is Steve Harrington and Dustin Henderson would die for each other. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what I needed to see yeah. to make that choice, a character dying work, stick and count because this whole season, there's this tension with Eddie and Steve for Dustin's affection. And I love it. And that's great. That is a solid triangle of character relationship that gets developed. What should happen. I, I will punch a fool for suggesting Steve Harrington die, but I'm about to do it because I need some stakes and dad gummit killing the new character. Isn't stakes. It's not risk. It is simply saying, well, it's the Bob newbie effect. And what I know, because the show has given me this, is, is the Dustin Steve. What I am told is Dustin Eddie. So to me, I even, even in rewatching this episode again for this conversation on one and a half speed, yes, um, I was assessing these thoughts. I was like, let me watch and re 
give myself some room to be wrong here. We're sad Eddie dies because we like Eddie the character, not because to me, Eddie the character's place got earned for the the dynamic that plays out there. And there is so much good work could have come from a Steve. Steve is the young person hero here in this show. Like, let him live into that. Let him do the thing. They flirt with it with the bite. And that pissed me off because I'm like, stop playing with your audience. Like he gets bit. That's fine. That's fine. But then you show me him wincing. Maybe he's still struggling. Never touched again. Will they bring it back up? I don't care at this point for that point for that particular thread. So I would have much preferred the torch be passed because that is what they're building is mm. Steve and Dustin's relationship is being challenged. They love each other deeply. This person who is more simpatico with Dustin's interests, thus Dustin's going to be attracted to that energy. Let that be a means of passing the torch, which is to say, let Steve have his hero moment. Let Dustin be present. Let that emotional thing land because it would be real. Let Eddie feel the weight of that. Let Eddie go into season five as, as, as the Robin of season four, right? That's what happened. We get Robin in season two. She's Carrie's force into season three. So, so that's, that's thing one. And I know, I know I'm talking a lot, but the max thing makes me mad because, and here's why something that has troubled me this go around rewatching season four while Vecna's form of kill is harrowing, haunting, jarring, awful. When you first encounter it, they risk something that happens, which is overdoing it by the end. Here's the thing y'all. And I get kind of emotional thinking about this because I'm like, you put, you tortured a character. They torture her in that final scene. It is, it is grisly and painful. And a thing that I really wrestle with in, and, and I, I'm not, I'm not unique in observing this. And I, someone could probably say, well, Nathan, you're, you're unfair towards media. You, you really love and don't level the same charge at them. It bothers me deeply that you put that character through that torture. And then like to call it pulling the punch is way too soft. You, you turn L finally into the full blown super God BS, whatever. That's so stupid to me. This is the dislike part, right? We're going to have happy times on this conversation, <laughs> this is but, the these things, part. but these I'm things matter very listening. deeply as just, I've watched, as I've, I just want to watch it hand. the first time just like I need it. And as I rewatch it this time, because I've really been wrestling with the, when, when there's 11 plus, when there's almost 12 hours of show this season. And, and what feels careless, I don't want Max to die. I don't want Steve to die, mm -hmm. but prove to me, you know what you're doing by honoring the stakes you put forth. And it reminds me a lot. And I, I'm, if I had to guess this defense would get used in the max moment, which is the Harry Potter defense. It always bothered me. I hated the first time I read Harry Potter spoiler alert <laughs> listener when what feels like them faking the Potter death at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Most of you've read this. Most of you've seen this, at least it always bothered me and I always wrestle with like, like dead gummit, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not the architect of a massive 
global phenomenon of IP. So I, I understand the resistance to off a character that means a lot to people. The only catch with Harry Potter that they do well is it's Horcrux related, blah, 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 mysticism, so and so, so on and so forth. So it kind of makes story logic there. But this is what happens here is, well, but she, but El Hilder, but she's back. She's, she's not like, stop, stop. Because here's the thing, y'all. I'm sorry. I keep going off. I've got very <laughs> emotional, very impressionable daughters in this house who get attached to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. you show a character being tortured, do I want that to be the resolution? No, but stop screwing around with your audience. It yeah. clearly I'm hot on this, but it, it kind of, because what I, what I'm worried is about to happen is season five is let's restore max. Like this is so stupid. Like don't, I don't want her gone, but if you're gonna torture her, which is gonna torture your viewers, own it, go for it. Like, let me see actual, because what would have been really cool. <laughs> I've been sitting on this stuff for a while. Y'all would have been really apparent. cool. No way. <laughs> what would have been really cool to me watching it again this time and do the empire strikes back ending. Let me feel that these characters have lost. Because here's the thing, Hawkins, yeah, it's a it's a cool geographical icon that's entered pop culture, but it doesn't matter to me. You've made these characters matter. So mm-hmm. own it. Leave us in tragedy because we know the fifth is the final season. Like, let's let our characters lose. And they don't. And that really, again, whole yeah. big thing. But that that is my dislike of episode nine, which signals much bigger for season four because clearly I want to play Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> so, so I love you. Yeah, <laughs> I know you do. This is a safe so, space, Nathan. This yeah. is a safe. No, I just, I I, just, that's why I'm letting loose. I'm just, I'm, just, uh, I'm just affirming. Yeah. So so here's what I'll say before I pivot to our three guests to be able to share their, their least favorite, and then I'll tie off at the end. Um, I really enjoy, as a writer and as a creative uh, you know, I aspire myself to be a creative thinker. I enjoy what you've posited there with the Steve substitute. I think that's strong storytelling. I think if they had, you know, Eddie could be dealing with conflicts about like it should have been me. They could have peppered in after Steve got bit at the end of episode six. They could have peppered in that his wound is getting worse progressively. He doesn't know how he's going to get better. He gets sicker and sicker and sicker. And that part of why he sacrifices himself, maybe it's he and Eddie and Dustin at the end, Eddie has his metal moment and then Eddie and Dustin make it out. Right. And then Steve decides I'm not getting any better. I need to buy more time. So anyway, I'm just affirming that's, that's a strong character choice. I would have punched the writers too. You killed Steve. You can't, I'm unforgivable, but compared to what but we have, I feel some, like that's uh, that, pretty strong. But your yeah. point is right. So yeah, you would yeah. feel something yeah, more yeah, than what feels like emotional manipulation. Sorry. Exactly. No, 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 it's okay. Um, I'm going to reserve my thoughts uh, on the Max thing, and I'm going to come back to it at the end because it ties into my least favorite thing, but I want to let our guests go next. So, Jess, I'm going to you first. Jess, next. Okay. your least favorite thing about episode nine. <laughs> I think mine actually might tie in with Nathan's just, I'm more going with like how I feel but not able mm-hmm. to explain why, explain why I feel the way I do. That's cool. So I just put when it came up two days later at towards mm-hmm. the end of the episode, 
I just was like, it should be done. And oh, I understand yeah. that they were trying to wrap up a lot of loose ends. And I think there's things that had to be there. But the way I felt is <laughs> when you are eating dessert and you keep eating because it tastes good, but you physically feel full. And it was like with every, mm. like we had just been emotionally bombarded for about an hour. Yep. And then I was like, okay, it's done. And I felt like I took a breath and then it was like two days later. And then it was like all of these emotional scenes. And I'm not saying I didn't like the scenes, sure. but it was like Eddie's uncle. It was Joyce and Hopper coming back. It was reuniting, you know, just everything. Mm -hmm. And I was physically like, could feel it. Like, I'm worn out. Like I just kind of I need <laughs> to be physically done. Like it was it was a weird thing and I I don't know if I necessarily got it the first time cuz I may have been asleep. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> this was a full daytime viewing and I really really enjoy this show. But mm -hmm. I am not at the point where I'm like, "Oh, I think this would be better." I just know I was done. I was emotionally done. So that was my biggest dislike. It just felt like, again, we've used the word bloated. It was just like every idea, every storyline just kept going and kept going. And I couldn't catch up. Like I felt physically worn out by the experience yeah. at the end. Yeah. And at the what I'll affirm about that, especially, is that at the end, that last half hour, they do a ton of telling. Characters just tell each other mm -hmm. things. You don't... Yeah see or feel the emotion it's just literally like oh so let's let's sit on the couch and decompress what happened to l for a minute huh let's do that you know like that that's they just they just hand it's that all to you 38 minutes yeah 38 yeah, yeah. minutes yep. i yep. looked yep. it up because this is also mine <laughs> oh great why don't you go <laughs> ahead and go next thing. yeah yeah go ahead and so go ahead and piggyback i, I want to affirm of what what nathan said about um because i also have listed eddie dies um, and in my that ain't right, I have they did Max dirty with her torture and coma. Um, yeah, but yeah. my biggest one is exactly what what you're saying, Jess. I wrote down eight thousand different and separate reunions and endings because you know how in Clerks two, I think it is when they talk about like Lord of the Rings <laughs> and like <laughs> the logical ending, right? Oh, how oh, it, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it vignettes oh, like a whole bunch of different times. It, it's like. I disagree with Lord of the Rings because I think that is a perfect franchise. But um, for this, like replace Fair. it with this because it's literally two days later. You have um, Nancy packing up the stuff. The pizza truck drives up. They catch up there. Then they go to the hospital. They catch up there. Then their donation center with Robin and Vicky. Then at the donation center with Dustin and Eddie's uncle. Then they're at the cabin and you have Nancy and Jonathan talk to each other. You're still at the cabin. You have Will and Mike talk to each other. <laughs> Then you have Elle do the bottle thing at the cabin. Then wow. you have Ellen Harper. And then you have Will Byers' Spidey Sense. And then you have the ending. Like, it just felt like it went on forever. And it's not that I didn't think that some of the scenes weren't important. Like, the Dustin and Eddie's uncle scene, like, even though I've seen it before, I watched it again. I was emotionally affected by it. I teared up. But it almost feels like some of them could have been, like, credit scenes. Like, hmm. tighten up that ending. And then maybe put the Robin and Vicky thing like in the credits, maybe put, you know, like, obviously we want to see Hopper and Elle reunite, but maybe put Elle and her, her bottle spinny thing in the credits, like move some of that stuff where that doesn't really matter 
out. So you can shorten that up because 38 minutes of everybody gets five minutes Mm. to talk to each other is, is torture. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I get it. Um, This segment of our conversation that is why during TV guy posts, we start with dislikes. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I have something that will hopefully be fun, but first I want to hear from Asia. So uh, Asia, I want to hear your least favorite thing and then I'll close off this segment with mine. Uh, I'm going to piggyback real quick off of what Nathan just threw out there. Uh, Yes, please kill your darlings. Please don't kill mine. Um, (laughs) And you did. (laughs) Look at that. Um, Just boom. <laughs> What's your mom? Steve. Oh, well, no, but I love the man. <laughs> no, I'm not talking to Nathan. I'm talking to oh. the Duffer Brothers. Oh, I'm oh, just oh. using. Oh. He referenced the Kill Your Darlings, yes. and the Duffer mm. Brothers killed mine. And oh, as I referenced Eddie. in the other one, I'm just one of those like TikTok Eddie hoes. I just love this <laughs> dude so much. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok Eddie hoes. You heard it here. <laughs> they are. Hashtag. They are many. Uh, I'm sure. And, so see, you're making my point. Keep him around another season. <laughs> um, I so I just quick tag on. I don't. It's so interesting. I don't disagree with anything anybody said. I don't know if I would have gone as far as to say something like I think Steve should have eaten it, but you make an excellent case for why that would have been way more emotionally effective, and I think that that's true. Um, I think for me. Yeah, I'm not even going to touch the Max thing because I I agree with everything you guys said. So it's been said. I don't need to I don't need to reiterate it. Um, but one I think one of the more overarching. Well, I'll start with the Eddie thing. I love Eddie. I love Eddie, and I feel that he everybody saw it coming, right? Like it's been a theme in the previous seasons that the lovable newcomer bites the dust, and mm-hmm. we all knew that the potential for that was extremely high with Eddie. RIP Bob. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Superhero. And, but the thing about Eddie that was so different is I think like Bob Newby as wonderful of a character as he was definitely still felt like side character category. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then Alexi in the third season, very, even more so side character. And, Eddie wasn't a side character like Eddie was became the inner circle. You Mm -hmm. know, he really morphed into something very special to the character growth of not just characters like Dustin, but even getting to see Steve from a different point of view, kind of like with Chrissy realizing who Eddie is as a person, he gets to have a similar moment. showing the audience what it's like to see this new and improved Steve Harrington. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that they did not do a good enough job convincing me that his death was worth it. Yes. And I think the reason why he goes out there to be the hero is because there was the potential of those bat things getting into our world via the RV and all of that. stuff. Correct. That is correct. It took me Lots of talking with other people and a second viewing to fully grasp that that was why it happened because mm-hmm. they did not communicate, at least to me. And maybe I'm just stupid, but you're they, not. I okay, felt the thanks. same way. And mm-hmm. yeah, we talked about this in my family quite a bit because we're like, why did he have to do that? Yeah. It, well, can I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go, 
I want you to finish Asia. I'm sorry. Okay. That's, um, I, I felt that it needed to be communicated better because as somebody who was so emotionally invested in this character, just hoping beyond hope that he was somehow going to make it out alive. I did not feel that his sacrifice was clearly enough communicated. And I don't know. I felt that even his ultimate demise wasn't as climactic as it should have been. And you can Mm. tell that they try really hard to make it that way. But I think I think it's because they didn't actually allow the circumstances to carry the weight rather than cinemizing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. They made it very mm-hmm. cinematic, but the actual circumstances didn't carry all that much weight, which was very upsetting. Yep. Um, I guess my my just overarching thing, though, would just be like, pick a theme. Is it this episode specifically has so many themes going on and we as an audience cannot absorb all of them at once Absolutely. Um, maybe pick two but i would say like what is the overarching theme of this episode is it cowards to heroes is it s- self-sacrifice is it the love you know the love of the formed in childhood is the strongest love that you'll ever know is it growing up it's just pick a theme because I don't know how to connect all of these things that are happening into one cohesive emotion that I'm supposed to walk away with. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Neither, neither do they. They don't. Yeah. Have to they do clearly that. don't. <laughs> clearly, they, yeah. The only reason I want to throw this in is because it directly relates to what was said a minute ago about motivations for not letting Eddie survive. And because again, when I did rewatch the finale, I was trying to, because here's the thing, y'all, I don't want to level stuff that i feel is maybe my own bias or whatever like if, I, if i'm gonna come charged as i did i want it to have some merit i want to feel like okay no what i'm finding what i'm feeling is really there and this particular viewing i hate saying stuff like uh well find a better way but this is what it feels like because asia you asked the question jess you you affirmed of well why did this have to happen to me how i read it possibly cynically is the reason it has to happen is telegraphed to you in the news footage of Hawkins splitting, which mm-hmm. is Eddie Munson, the architect of the demonic murders. And it's like, well, right. okay, creators, you've decided you were in a corner with this character in the right mm-hmm. side up. There's no, there's no moving forward under that mm-hmm. context to which I would say, be a creative person right. and find a way <laughs> change to get your context. Right. Exactly. Because Asia, you're absolutely right. What this season showed me was big, bold, cinematic moments that are in a lot of times divorced of heft and weight and meaning. And so, and, and to further your note about the Steve stuff, like, good Lord, I don't want that character off the show. Joe Curie is a godsend. Um, but what they do at every turn in this two and a half hours is say, maybe it's them. Maybe it's them. Maybe it's them. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be them? Is it going to be here? Is it going to be him? Is it going to be here? Is it going to be here? Oh, oh, it's that guy. Wait, what? <laughs> Stop mm-hmm. playing with me here. Like, yeah. do something that your actual narrative you've constructed. If you're going to, if you're going to follow the, if you're going to uh, construct this story, tell the story because mm-hmm. that doesn't yeah. happen. They, they say, wait, nope. Yes, Reed. I'm I'm done. I'm just reading. No, okay. <laughs> All right. 
Y'all ready? Y'all sit back. Okay, sit back for a second. <laughs> okay, so a, a couple of comments that I'm going to wake want to make really, really quickly. Um, the reality is, people will get very, very angry in the moment about characters dying, but really strong death scenes lodge right here, and they mean a lot to us. They inspire us. I just came out of this was literally like two nights ago, as we're recording this. Uh, actually, three nights ago. Um, I saw in the theater Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. Okay. And I, in that, I won't spoil it for people who have not seen it, but in that a major character who's been around for decades dies and they die in a very heroic fashion. Okay. And it still resonates. People were angry and, and threatened to not go see the movie when it was rumored that character would die. That movie has become, has still been regarded as the best and it is largely rooted in the way that character exits. So all the anger we would heap upon Steve, that could have been an epic exit. It mm -hmm. could have solidified Steve Harrington as legend. And what you said, Asia, about um, Eddie and, and, and the way that they like telegraph everything, a death doesn't mean anything when it feels inevitable, when it feels as if yeah. it's just ticking a box. It doesn't mean anything to us. The Steve thing would have been and undermining to that. But if you can all permit me and flex your legs and uh, and just uh, take a drink, I'm going to in, in, just indulge me for two minutes of fan fiction, if you will. Because what I did when I wrote this, or when I, when I at the end, I was like, you know what? Just switching around a few sequences, a few key sequences, and this, I think, could have been a lot stronger. So here's how I would have ended. This, uh, it'll only take like two minutes. Here's how I would have ended that entire from the moment they enter and start like fighting each other. Here's how I would have ended Stranger Things season four. OK, currently it goes kind of from Mike's speech because he's the heart that don't get started. Um, so it goes from Mike's speech <laughs> and then L like, you know, the vines let her go for reasons. And then she shoves Vecna away. Then Joyce like tasers the Demogorgon. Then Murray fries the Demodogs and then the bats fall and then Hawkins, uh, like the trio come in, the vines finally let them go. And then they torch Vecna and then Hopper kills the last Demogorgon. And then that, you know, everything happens. We'll get to Max in a second. Here's what I would have done. First, I would have let Lucas win the fight against Jason. I would have let Lucas win. Lucas would have bested Jason and knocked Jason out. Then the Walkman, which was not destroyed, would have then been placed upon Max's head and Max would have then run up that hill completely out of Vecna's line of sight. Max would have been free and clear, no torture, no death. She survives. She's not even in a coma. She's completely free and clear and bear with me. So then L would be stuck in the Red Keep in a fight, an epic battle against Vecna. And it would have been a good fight, match for match, pound for pound. She would have given it to Vecna as much as she would take a couple of, of knocks herself. A really good epic fight. But eventually, Vecna would have overpowered her and she would have been knocked unconscious. And all of us as the viewers are like, holy crap, she's alone, she's stuck, and Vecna's right there. And then when that happened, that would have been the moment that I would have had Joyce taser the Demogorgon. And when Joyce tasers the Demogorgon, Vecna is distracted because they're all connected, hive mind. Vecna is distracted. So Vecna then gets distracted, and then when he gets distracted, that while he's trying to assess what's happening, there's a threat that I don't know about. Where is the threat? What is the threat? Then the whole sequence where they run into the prison and Murray torches all the demodogs, and then Vecna is like 
shook. The bats fall. Everything's done on that front. And Vecna is like, I'm under attack right now. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I'm under attack. So then uh, while Hopper is Conan the Barbarian, the, uh, the, the last Demogorgon, then the trio, who have now been set free, same way they were, go and start torching Vecna. And they seem to destroy him. So keeping in mind where we would be in my fan fiction world, L would be stuck, unconscious. Mike, Will, Jonathan, they're all panicking because they can't wake her up. She's stuck in Vecna's uh, Red Keep world. But Vecna, according to the trio, has been vanquished. Vecna is supposedly taken out of the picture, but L's unconscious. And so they don't know what to do. Somber music plays. And that's a more appropriate moment for Mike to say he loves her and for him to reach out to her across the miles and summon her back into consciousness when he thinks he has lost her and calls her back. Not to have her fight more for reasons, but to actually bring her back from where she was. Okay, so then she awakens and everything's okay, y'all. Everything's okay. Lucas and Max are okay. The trio is okay. Everything is fine. And that's the moment, because this leads up to my least favorite aspect. That's the moment that Lucas and Max hear a voice and turn and see Jason, who we previously left unconscious, floating up in the air. He's floating up in the air because Vecna has him. And then during that sequence, Jason finally realizes the hell that he has been ignoring this entire time. He sees the full threat. And he becomes the fourth victim and hell splits wide open in the middle of Hawkins. So then what that would do is it leaves all of our characters ready for the fight that they could not avoid because they don't know what Jason's favorite song is. Jason plays a more pivotal. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know. And Jason plays a more pivotal, crucial role in the mm-hmm. finale. Vecna is still out there somewhere, but they don't know where. And Hawkins is still in the same position. That is how I would have ended Stranger Things season four, keeping so many of the puzzle pieces on the board. I like your addition, Nathan, of, of maybe Steve's gone from all of that with, with the pivot that you made there. But that's how I would have done it because my, my two least favorite things, a big tie, number one is because the show literally is like Jason just comes in to spoil things and make things worse for Max. And then they're like, F this guy. Cause he just, that was yeah. Worse. In the yeah. That's like, so yeah. unsatisfying. Like, give me a break. Yeah. It's just, there's nothing because he doesn't, he doesn't realize what's happening right. before he literally just vanquishes. Like he doesn't realize it. And that's why I was like, I would have made him realize it. I would have had mm-hmm. him come face to face with Vecna. Maybe Vecna even saying, you know, like, Oh, you know, you were so foolish or whatever. He would realize it all. And mm-hmm. then he would be the fourth victim and the Vecna would get the other upper hand. The other, thing that i'll just mention about like when you take max out but then you're unwilling you you pull the punch it's literally i wrote down it's literally at the end of the 1970s superman christopher reeves where he literally is sad that lois lane is dead so he flies around the globe and spins the globe backwards to turn back time that's the kind of power level we're at with l in that moment where she's like you're not gonna go i'm just gonna do something and just like this what what does any of this mean? So I would have just taken the other thing that I that I dislike about Max going at the end is unrelated to her pain, the character's pain. But it's that we've already seen it. We've already seen it. If you're going to yeah. put one of our characters, I said this in another segment on another episode. If you're going to put one of our characters in peril, put a different one. We've already been through this with Max. So the other unintentional thing that it does is to have Max go through that undermines 
the, one of the greatest yeah. episodes of the show in Dear mm-hmm. Billy because it that moment doesn't mean as much because it's just going to happen again. That's always the way I feel in like slasher victims when like the person who survived the sequel just dies in the next one. I'm like, well, it's all just again, it's that inevitability <laughs> factor that that just all just comes down. So anyway, thank you for well, indulging too, my few minutes. No, that was lovely. Read. Uh, we 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 uh, celebrate and and applaud. Um, and to be fair, I actually am not saying kill max i'm saying if you're going to torture her like that then finish it yeah i, I like sure. your approach there um you know that that because because subconsciously even though i did write it down yeah jason going out like the freaking chump like this is stupid why did you yeah. build up because that was so thing. frustrating jason yeah. is a um you you hate him but we love that about him right and so mm-hmm. give me something to finish him off other yeah. than just oh you you melted him <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a blink and you miss it. it death too like it's right so it really yes. <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it it's felt what so I, lazy it was so mm-hmm. lazy it's literally what i it, it's what i term the f that guy death like that's what happens in these where they're just like there's this little youtube thing you could look it up where it's just like creature from the black lagoon running around just smacking so stuff funny. just knocking things over and the captions under it is like f this thing f that thing f this thing you know like that's all it is and that's what i call those kind of deaths you they literally reached a point where we're like well, we're gonna take him off the board but f that guy we're just not even gonna not even gonna bother making it mean anything we're just gonna take him off the board so we mm-hmm. spent a tremendous amount of time <laughs> quite a bit of time quite a bit of time um, on our least favorite things <laughs> exactly so now we're going to talk about some things that we enjoyed. So uh, I'm going to go in reverse order, and we're going to go about in, in favorite things. So uh, favorite, I'll, I'll start, um, but I'm, I'm not going to steal what maybe somebody else I'll give the opportunity to do. I'll say this. I do genuinely appreciate when, I don't know that this is my favorite, favorite thing, but it's the thing I'm going to mention in deference to other people since I'm going first. Um. I, I do like when Vecna is giving his villains monologue, how he ties all four seasons together, how we see that he came back in, he saw those particles or whatever he formed, you know, or, or I don't know if he created it or if he just formed it from what was there. Maybe that'll unpack a little bit, but I like how you could then trace back through and see, oh, it started here with L accidentally opening up the gate. And then we're, you know, like doing what she did. And then season three, which is still my favorite season, it ties it all back in. Of That's why Vecna was trying to, like, get her powers is so that he could do a version of this on his own. And so I just love the way that it all ties off together. Um, I just think it's a good aim, even if it slightly misses the mark. I think it's a good aim at unifying the whole scope of the series. And I, I let, really appreciate it. Let me ask you there, Reed, because because it's it's. Um, I don't have the emotional energy for it to be a, a heavy dislike, but I I am very confused about oh. the dynamic of Mind Flayer and Vecna. Like mm-hmm. I don't I feel like that monologue is is cool and does well what you're describing, but that specific vision. I'm like, I, what what are you this season tells me so much except things I really could use some clarity on, which is, are these separate entities? Did he create that thing? Did he discover that thing? Is, is he the, the overlord and it's the, the minion is it the overlord and he's the like, it's very confusing yeah. to me when that so gets played out. My, my take is he's the overlord. He found this uh, separate thing. That's like a particle sort of phenomenon thing. And he using what powers he did have formed it into the shape of that spider-like being that they called the mind flare. Right. But I took it that Vecna is 
the big bad. Vecna's the one. L looks right at him at one point and says, it's you. It was always you. So I took that to mean it is. it has always been Vecna that this fight has been against. But he has sent off the Demogorgon things, which he discovered in that world. And then he formed the Mind Flayer as a kind of a surrogate visionary thing to be able to penetrate the real world and transact what he was always trying to do. That's that's how I took it, is that this has all been Vecna. He was sent by L to this nether region, other space, found things there that he could use to come back. That's how I took that whole speech. Mm. So and that's and that's how I took, you know, so many of the other beats in the in the series. Um Again, going backwards, Asia, I'm going to come back to you. So what is your favorite thing about this episode? Oh, my favorite thing. Are we only doing one this time we're around? Only doing or one. Can I, yeah. We're only doing one. You can do one. one and a half if you want. Whatever. One and what, a yeah, half. Yeah, you can toss a nod to something. Yeah. I think probably my favorite thing about this season is that it it really, really boils down something so archetypal to story. And I have I like I tear up every time I watch. I I don't quite remember exactly when, like if they all happen at the same time, but it's 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 in a very close proximity to each other. Um, it they're not in the same place, but it's the, but it's the same concept. The whole idea of like Eddie going out and like I'm not running away anymore. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to do this thing. And then later you see Nancy with the shotgun kind of just stepping up and like really shedding this kind of goody two shoes personality that she's been for a long time. I didn't, I couldn't stand Nancy until this season. (laughs) Uh, I was like, what Steve, like you're too good for her, whatever, but they they won me over. (laughs) They won me over to it. But then Hopper with the sword to just sort of keep pulling back this curtain to an older and older and a more ancient understanding of this story of the little guy is going to defeat the big guy and a mousy or a selfish or a cowardly individual all of i would say which those characters were at different times you know is going to rise up and just kick ass <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know literally and in and in the in the overcoming challenge of their own lives i just get so emotional when i when i watch those scenes and i yeah. i think that this episode really did an excellent job driving that element home it again in, in as many things as this episode certainly gets very wrong when it gets certain things right, it's oh, it's just butter. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's tasty. Yeah, it's like yeah that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll affirm because it wouldn't have been my primary, but I love the Nancy Steve Robin action hero assault, is what I called it. Like that's it's yeah. so cool and such a great, great button for that mm-hmm. arc. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, it, it absolutely is. Um, Vera, what you got uh, for us? Master of Puffets, of course. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So that was an amazing scene. Like it was, I, I loved it so much. And I just like overall Eddie. Um, so I interpreted at um, fan expo, which is Canada's largest like comic book convention, right? Like Canada's mm-hmm. San Diego comic-con. And um, he was there 
Um, Finn Wolfhard was there. Uh, Grace Van Dien, who played Chrissy, was there. Mm. And um, Jamie Campbell Bauer was there. Um, Ooh, who played Zekna. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the the Joseph Quinn like I, I, charisma hysteria. Pardon. TikTok Eddie Hose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was blown away by it. Like it was really cool to see that guy worked himself to the bone for his fans that weekend. Like they added so many additional autograph sessions and photo sessions because of the people that showed up. They had um, his the Stranger Things panel closed the the con, um, but they had like their panel with three of them. Um, Jamie Campbell Bauer wasn't in it and it was like 1400 people and the lineup outside was so bananas for everybody wanting to see Joseph Quinn because he didn't have his own panel that wow. the cast agreed to do a second panel right after that in another bigger room that had 3000 chairs and it was completely full like it wow. was crazy and the like I've been doing this con for eight years and people show up to panels in like what it what did you call it? (laughs) Cosplay. Cosplay. Yeah. (laughs) People show up in cosplay. um, Like say it's a Star Trek one, right? Like you'll have people dressed as you like, like they're on board the enterprise. They'll have just a random Star Trek t-shirt. Maybe they're dressed as a Klingon, like whatever. It's It's awesome. It varies, but it relates to the fandom. Right. But I'm standing on the stage beside like the panelists and I'm looking out into this crowd of 1400 people. And almost every single person has a Hellfire Club t-shirt on. I've never seen such a unified like it was everybody was wearing the same uniform it was bananas crazy and it was all the eddie munson love and so like the hoes yeah <laughs> all the eddie munson sorry. tiktok hoes they were all there this weekend <laughs> or that so weekend. sorry i'll stop <laughs> no it's awesome like, no need. Awesome. No but yeah so company. just just for him even though like i'm i am bummed and all those people are bummed that he had to go this season like for him to get such an epic way to get a send off. Yeah. I, like it just made me that, that made me happy. And then immediately sat afterwards, but that part. Sure. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally, I totally resonated again, a strong death, even if it is, you know, fudged in narratively will lock it into your imagination. It means it, it, it make, it amplifies all that had come before it, if it's done in an appropriate way. Yeah, And like Nathan said, like the actor himself, he's just, He's got charisma. He draws yeah. you in. Like you can't help but like him. And yeah. it's it's the actor that does it. And so I'm so glad that he is like living this fame right now. And I hope it's longer than 15 minutes because I think he deserves it. Sure. I think he's really cool. Yeah. I no, hope that's... people treat him nice too, because that's gotta be a lot to be catapulted into. He yeah. uh, I, apparently at one of the London cons, one of the staff was not nice to him, but he said good things about the Toronto ones. Oh, see, that's right. <laughs> Canadians are better. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding, but there it is. Um, no, that's that's wonderful. Um, Jess, what is one of your favorite things about episode nine, the piggyback? I loved um, in this. It, it quickly can get into themes. So we're going to keep it at just um, the relationship between Lucas and Max. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was really immature and again i'm like they're 14 15 so like you know they haven't been married for 20 years they're still kids but some specific sweet moments like when they were waiting for the signals and they're like 
lifting the notes to each other. And she was like, I'm really glad you're here. Like mm. just her continual pushing him away and yeah. he pursuing her. I feel like sweetly. Um, yeah. And just her finally reciprocating. I mean, she had had some others, but I have really come to like those characters in a way that I really had in previous seasons. Like they were there and I, I had, you know, I always liked the Tom, the tomboy girl, but I really, really enjoyed their characters and their relationship in this season and particularly this episode. That's awesome. No, that's awesome. I'm sure we'll be coming back to that for sure. Um, Nathan, tie us off. What is your favorite thing about the piggyback? I need a bathtub. Yeah, got to be clean to enter the mind. <laughs> uh, I did love that line, uh, that scene. Um, here's the thing. I know it feels like it, but I, I do. I can give credit where credit is due. And Asia, you you coined this a moment ago, like when they and, and there are more creatives involved in Stranger Things than purely the Duffers, but they are the figureheads. And so they get kind of uh, it's it's highs and it's lows get assigned to them. Um, but when they do things when when they know what they're doing it it really sings and there have been times in the show's run i'm thinking of the uh season two will under the under the thrall of the mind flayer crayoning all of the vines underground like stuff like that it's like this is dumb this is just a, an attempt to to retread the lights it's it's let's do another you know, kind of uh, highly orchestrated, elaborate sort of art art installation. Um, but while I would throw shade at that, when it works, a la Lightbright in season four, okay, that's really cool. Blow that up. To me, the architecture of the plot culminating in episode nine, uh, I've got a lot of misgivings about l in the bunker i've got a lot of misgivings about hopper in russia but hawkins and upside down interactions perfect excellent um bluey taught me to be mindful of when i use the word perfect um but i love the set piece of the bait being laid in the right side up creole house the the warriors going to upside down creole house and all of the machinations and planning and and whatever required to pull off if they're going to what they're trying to do like that mm -hmm. is really strong plotting using all your puzzle pieces to really strong effect and just it is hard for as hard as my heart kind of got towards the season by it's the the end of my second rewatch it's hard not to be impressed with that kind of design sensibility Mm -hmm. um jess you pointed to it a, a second ago the the because because what that does is creates an environment for every character to have some sort of dynamic moment with whoever they're partnered with you know it's it's uh max and lucas it's uh dustin and and um eddie it's uh the trio going after vecna directly like it's just it's a really well orchestrated um setup and that's not me just finding a thing like it, it is impressive uh that they pull that off that's awesome. That's awesome. So those see, we had some things that we loved about <laughs> episode nine, nine, the piggy bank. So um the piggy bank? <laughs> the piggy bank. Um, it's a very different so, 
<laughs> so uh, we will uh, take another little prelude here for a second. And what I think we'll do, because we spent a, a tremendous amount of time on those last couple of seconds. So we'll do a double round here and we'll see kind of where we stand at the end of that. Okay. So we're going to go this, back into for this interlude. For this interlude, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And it's not a prelude because it didn't come before, but it's an interlude that, um, uh, hey, you you busted out cosplay, so <laughs> yeah, and I owned it right after the fact. So, <laughs> so um, okay, I owned so it. You, yeah, you did on it. Um, okay, so uh, so we're gonna go back in. I can't totally remember the order that I went in before, but I think I went Asia, Jess, or Asia, Vera, Jess, Nathan. So that's what I'm gonna try to do. Okay, Asia, coming back to you. And oh, so it actually got a little uh, uh, flippy thing, but because of that, and we're already in the upside down, we go back to the right side up. So we're we're safe now, y'all. We've come we've come into happy grounds again. And because we flipped back into the right side up, you get to pick your category. Categories Asia are movies or TV or music or famous people and events or trends, tech and fun or Stranger Things. Uh, so go crazy! I'm a famous people and events. Famous people and events. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. What Beetlejuice actress was named after a town in Minnesota? Oh, sh- hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, wait. wait. Winona? Hey. <laughs> All I had to do was pause for a second. Literally. <laughs> so, we were just trying to find a soft way to hand it to you. Uh, well, because like I was like, how appropriate is that? Way. I ask a, yeah. <laughs> a, a famous people and it's Winona Ryder. There are like 200, 300 cards in here, but a famous people <laughs> thing. And it'd be Winona Ryder in a Stranger <laughs> Things game. But yes. OK, so yes, totally right. Winona Ryder because she was born near Winona in 1971. OK, so now Vera, here we go. Oh, OK, four. OK, that's not so bad. So that means you get either music or Movies. The Goonies. I, did I did I pick movies last time? <laughs> uh, I think you. Um, I, I think you did pick movies last time. Okay. So. I'm. I should do. I should do it again. But I'm gonna pick um, music for. She's gonna variety. go for music. Everybody going for music. Here we go. I feel like I've asked this question before. I don't think it was on our episode. It was just when I've played this game before. But what 1989 hit by the B52s is about a little old place. Where we love can Shack. get together. It is Love Shack. Love that is right. Love Shack. <laughs> love I know all the words to Love Shack. That was my go-to karaoke song for a while. <laughs> oh man. Love Shack. Baby Love Shack. Okay. <laughs> okay, so um that means that we are coming to you next, next Jess. And you have the choice between music. And That's where it's at. <laughs> music <laughs> and Stranger Things. I'll do music. Okay, she's going to music, everybody. Here we go for the music. Ooh, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> what? Uh, what when talking... Reed says, uh-oh. I know, no. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> what talking head song includes the repeated line, same as it ever was? This is a hard one. Oh, I know this one, but gosh, it is a hard called. one. I'm like, we read it again. Is it my beautiful house. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what talking song head called? song includes the repeated line, same as it ever was? Ooh. 
gosh, I don't know the name of it. I just no. Okay, you want to toss out a name? No. Okay, we haven't. Okay, so we haven't had an opportunity to steal yet. So if you know it, you can raise your hand and 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 try to try to steal the pie piece if you know it. I, I don't know the name of the song, but I know it's the one that goes, send that a days go by. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Water pouring If you kept singing it, you would probably get. Uh, okay. Asia, you don't know it either. Gosh, dang it. I, I mean, again, I love terrible. the talking heads. We all know the I'm, song, but don't know. <laughs> I know. I know. It is Everybody a really. Everybody keeps singing it. <laughs> I know it's a really familiar tune, but eventually, if you if you keep like sort of stumbling through the words, eventually you'll get to. Oh, I'll never forget it after this. We all I know. know. <laughs> and then they finally sing the refrain with a once in a lifetime. We all have the same reaction. <laughs> We're like, what's the number? How do I buzz in real fast? My brain is like, because it's not clicking on me right now. But I was like ready to be like psycho killer. Nothing but flowers. My God, what a great band Talking Heads is. There's so, so wonderful. Okay, Nathan, you're up. One, two, three. Okay, so you have the choice between. Ooh, they haven't. Okay, so make your choice, but it's either between music, which seems to be, a, they're just everywhere on the board, music or trends, tech, and fun. But, but are you only getting pie pieces for single categories? In other words, I answered correctly music and got a pie piece. No, you, that's it. These are this version of the game is not category okay, related. Okay, it okay. is question correct related. So yes. So it's music and what was the other category? Trends, tech, trends, tech, trends, and tech, fun, cosplay, trends, uh, trends, trends, tech, and tech and fun. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I prefer the category music, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and try okay. some trends, tech, he's, and food. He's gonna, some food. He's gonna. He's gonna do it and some food. Okay, and here some we go. Fun. Share the food with me, read. <laughs> In this right. finish this 80s catchphrase. Swedish. Okay? I thought he would like finish as in the country. That's where okay. I'm going. You got it. Fini- finish the 80s catchphrase. Gag me with a spoon. Correct. That is correct. I'm remiss you to figure said, out where that I was hoping it was going to be like, pardon me. Do you have any? Great poupon. Nothing. Or where's the. Beef? <laughs> beef. No, that's what yes. is it? Where's the beef? No, where's the beef? No, it's what's the beef? Where's the beef? Nope, it's it is not beef. what's the beef, Vera. Is it where's? It's where's. It where's Wasn't that Wendy's? Or, yep. No, uh, that was different. I accidentally sure. got that right. We have. I think it is meat. Wendy's. Yeah, I think it is Wendy's. Back on All the right. menu. We're gonna Don't we're gonna go through another round of this real quick in case we don't have time to come back to it. Yeah. So we're gonna go through a round around right now. Asia, I'm coming back to you. You have a choice between movies. Close it out. Okay, so we'll do two more rounds and then we'll just stop Trivial Pursuit, talk about themes of Stranger Things. Is that good with everybody? Is that good? Okay. Oh. All right. So, <laughs> Asia, you have a choice between... Um, where are you? Okay, you're right there. So, you have a choice between movies or TV. Movies. Movies. Okay, here is your movie-related question. In the film Working Girl... What position does Tess hold at the investment firm where she works? I've never seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you just start naming positions at a at a manager. Company, but... <laughs> I'll say she's a receptionist. 
So this is where I am going to give you sympathy, but not the point. <laughs> so she is she is a secretary. So that is yeah, you have okay. to go with the 80s. Really? Secretary. Okay. <laughs> know, you, you, so. you hear receptionist and don't synonymize secretary there? Like even I would have been like, okay. Re- I, to be fair. I love I, how Nathan's acting like he's so no, right. I'm surprising. <laughs> no, I am. I'm surprising myself here. I'm like, I would have sort of whatever. Go ahead. No, that's not. I, so not look, uh, Castle Byers was close enough. Secretary and receptionist. Oh, yeah. Two different words. I wasn't, somebody I wasn't questioning has- Castle Byers. As somebody Castle who has Bowers, yeah, been both of those things. They definitely don't get paid the same. Okay. <laughs> a well, receptionist that answers wasn't the, the question. Phone. That wasn't the question. does a lot of different stuff. That is a that is a good point. Um, okay, so Asia talking herself out of points. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Reed is right. <laughs> Vera, you are up, and yours is going to be TV or Stranger Things. Um, let's go TV. Okay. She's going to TV, everybody. TV question is, which famous film actor with the real name George played handyman George Burnett on The Facts of Life? I have no idea. Drawing a blank. You want to just toss out a name there before I give people a chance to steal? Lopez? It is not George Lopez. (laughs) It is not George Lopez. Birds? Nathan. <laughs> so Nathan, uh, it, this is the formal opportunity to steal. Nathan shot his hand up a bit prematurely, but uh, no. Jess, Jess has it too. No, I mean, I, oh. look, I wasn't even done. She hadn't even One, answered yet. One, two, three. If, if I'll, Nathan, I mean, I'll defer to Jess. No, I'm not. Okay. No, no, no. I, I came in hot at Stranger Things, so I need it to. Would, Stop it being would, so Canadian about this. One of you would, just say right. George Clooney. <laughs> Okay. It is George Clooney. Good job. I'm going to give I Jess totally, that pie piece. I love that yep. show, you guys. I can't tell it you how is, much I love that show. It is George Clooney. Oh, my wife has been watching so much Facts of Life because it's, I forget what <laughs> network it comes on, but she's literally just loading that and so I mean, screens. she's just, you take the good, it. you take the bad, you take them both. <laughs> there you have, <laughs> there you have the you Facts have of Life. All right. Okay. So now, Jess, you are up. Oh, no. We're going back to the upside down, everybody. Okay. This is where it gets Here real. Go. Here we go. Back in the upside down. Don't, okay, but you get to pick your don't category. Don't lose that puppy. So so, I know. Right. What's your so any category? Yeah. I can remind them of you. Uh, I can remind you of the categories if you want, but you can pick any one. That's right. You know what? I'm gonna go with Stranger Things. I'm just okay. avoiding it because <laughs> I get it. I get it. All right. Just got it. Face it like Eddie did. What color? So, what color is the shirt that Billy wears in uh actually? What color? <laughs> what color is the wig? What color is the wig oh. that Eleven wears when the boys sneak her into Hawkins Middle School? What color is her wig? Blonde. Good job. It is blonde. It is absolutely blonde. That is one of the most unbelievable things about Stranger Things season one is that those boys made that wig look good. Show yeah. hard it is to style a crappy wig. Can't even. When you're, can't when even. You're cosplaying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Sand Tower. Uh, Nathan. Oh, oh. Nathan sent us back into the right side up, everybody. So, all right. Okay. So, we're back into the right side up. That also means you get to pick your category. What you got, Nathan? Um, let's do. I haven't done movies yet. Do okay. That. Here we go. Cher won an Oscar for her role in Moonstruck. A romantic comedy about a Sicilian family in what most populous borough of New York City? 
son of a. <laughs> Be glad you're in the right side up. Brooklyn. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just pulled out the most pop. Yeah, the, it's Brooklyn. But yeah, oh. it's like, yeah, yeah. It Brooklyn until I die. That's right. What? <laughs> Knew that. Okay. Knew that. I, it was very We're, funny to me that he just starts it out with share and then a very long pause. And just yeah. like, <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it so, it struck a chord. I was about yeah. to burst out moonstruck. And then he said, I was like, okay, that's not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this will be our last round and then we'll see where right. we are. Where things stand at the moment is Jess and Nathan both have three pie pieces. And then um vera and asia have two pie pieces each okay so here we go last round of it asia coming to you and you you know what on this last round i'm just not even gonna roll you get to pick your category okay so goodness i'm gonna do that for everybody so um all right so pick your category your categories are movies tv music famous people and events trends tech and fun or stranger things what you want uh i'm gonna try music (laughs) he's gonna try music here we go okay (laughs) music the mu- your music question when the group was capital w a s told fans to open the door get on the floor what did they want everybody to do next so the the key is really the lyrics not the uh not the band name open the door get on the floor what do they want everybody to do next <laughs> I'm going to have to defer to the people who existed at the time. <laughs> okay. I'm going to count down three, two, one steal. I see Nathan first. What is it? What does everybody have to do? Open the door. Get on the floor. Everybody walk that dinosaur. Open the door. Get on the floor. Everybody, everybody walk, walk that, walk that dinosaur. dinosaur. Now, to be fair, this song is also sampled in Mitchell's versus the machines in a rather clever bit of comedic mm, that is that is true that is true okay I still think of it from dream team oh that's a good movie i like that michael keaton for life okay so um all right vera you're up you get to pick your category oh um i will pick i'm gonna go back to movies please movies okay here is your movie question what 1986 movie ends with the line i never had any friends later on in life like the ones i had when i was 12 <laughs> She's what, like, good what year is it? Uh, the year after I was born, I was one. Um, Nineteen eighty-six. The line no ends. <laughs> <laughs> it ends with the line, "I never had any friends later on in life like the ones I had when I was 12 That's not the complete last line either. This won't necessarily help. <laughs> it in. After hey. after that, after that, he Low says, down. "No." After that, he says, "My God, does anybody?" I love that. I love that so much. Okay. That doesn't help. Okay. Um, I don't know. Okay. Want to just toss out a movie name just to see if you can get it? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, nope. (laughs) Okay. No, it's not the Goonies. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Go for your Steelers. Three. It's true. I still watched it. (laughs) One. Go. Oh, I saw Asia's hand first on mine. Okay. Go ahead, Asia. Both. Is it? What? Oh, wait. <laughs> never mind. I just realized I have to be wrong because what I was about to say was TV, not a movie. So, never mind. Well, never mind then. Okay. Well, Nathan, by default, you get the chance to steal it. What is it? Stand by me. It is stand by me. So, dumb. I was thinking, I could not. I was like, and I'm like, lean on me. Lean on me. We've actually covered it. We actually covered it on the show. We sure did. We sure did. Okay, Jess, coming to you. Pick your category. What do you want? Um, 
I'm going to do the uh, famous people and events. Famous people and events. Here we go. Your famous people question is, what then seven-year-old actress hosted Saturday Night Live in 1982 after charming audiences in a hit film that year? Drew Barrymore. You are exactly correct. Wow, that was good job. the one, was- the only one. Drew Barrymore. Okay, Nathan, you're up. Pick your category. What you want? What you what you what you want? Um, mm-hmm. Did music and did movies? I did fun. What are the other two categories? People and events. It's movies, TV, music, famous people and events, trends, tech and fun, and Stranger Things. All right, I'll do a Stranger Things. Okay, we're gonna end the whole game on a Stranger Things. Ready? In the final episode of season two, who gives Hopper a birth certificate with a new name for Eleven printed on it? Owen Owens, Doctor Owen Owens. Uh, it is the, the one. Owens. Yes, it is the one, the only Doctor Owens. Owens, first of his name of the House <laughs> Owens. <laughs> so, um, father of weirdos. So with that absolute blitzkrieg towards the end, including a couple of steals, Nathan squeaks out a win yet again for Stranger Things Trivial Pursuit. All right. I am undefeated. Uh, So far, yeah. That's that's great. (laughs) He's not competitive at all, in case you haven't told. I've Um, got a year to study or how many months. Stranger Things Season 5 next summer. Trivial Pursuit. All right. So... Wrapping back into this conversation on Stranger Things. Um, so what we're going to do now before we get into maybe some heavier stuff and then wind down the evening because we're all very tired um, is uh, this is the point in the show specifically about episode nine, the piggyback, where we talk about things that aren't just wrong. Y'all, they ain't right. Sure as hell ain't right. So this is our That Ain't Right for episode nine. Uh, And for episode nine of Stranger Things, uh, we can kind of keep this a bit brisk if we desire to. Uh, I'm going to start over here with you, Jess. What is your That Ain't Right for episode nine? Okay. Mine's um, a psychological That Ain't Right because this Mm. one hit me the hardest. It was when, again, it's Max and Lucas. And he's gone. We don't quite know what's going on, but it's Vecna's come and she's admitting to him, you know, you were right. I hated Billy. I would Mm. pray for him to die. And she's really just unburdening herself. I can't forgive myself. And then it's like Lucas comes and he's like, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, we thought you were getting better. Like, it was literally to me like your biggest nightmare, your biggest fear. Like you've just unloaded the deepest, darkest secret. Yeah. And you got rejection and judgment from the person that you thought loved you. So that to me was the biggest that ain't right moment. That's a strong one. It's before you realize it's Vecna, which mm-hmm. maybe you realize from the first moment. I didn't watch I didn't. it. Or, no, yeah. I was like, whoa i can't yeah 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 it's uh yeah it's pretty it's pretty chilling um yep good one uh asia 
you're up. What is your mm-hmm. that ain't right for the piggyback? Uh, mine is also psychological and it also does involve Max. It's actually after she has been Vecnud and Lucas is holding her and you can just see like she has just been so thoroughly murked in that moment with her limbs and she's blind and she's just in the worst possible state and he's holding her and it's you can feel her terror as she just repeats i'm so scared i'm so scared i don't want to die i'm not ready to die and it oh just yeah that was a very very upsetting moment for me so i think that that one tops it for a lot no i absolutely understood absolutely uh vera what is your that ain't right for episode nine yeah asia that was my number one too it was awful but um I'm going to go, I'm going to give an honorable mention to the subtitles again for Vecna's <laughs> flesh sizzling. Ooh. <laughs> um, but my actual one is going to be um, when you're in Max's mind and she's trying to like find her happy thoughts, but she gets pulled back to the snowball and then the balloons on the table start bursting mm. blood. Uh, that yep. ain't right. Yep. Very creepy. Yep. It ain't, it ain't right. It ain't right. Honestly, that was, I'm going to go next. That one was mine. And like that, that was the biggest one was that no, no, don't, don't apologize. But just, I'm just going to piggyback again. That keep word keeps coming up appropriately. Um, but yeah, just the blood balloons on the thing. I'll, I already spent a lot of time on it, but uh, I did also write the, the F Jason death. Cause I was like, that ain't, that ain't right. Just cause all the, that ain't right. Not cause it's gross and whatever, but, but yeah. So uh, yes. Ending the blood balloons in Max's dream. Oh, one thing real quick before Nathan, you're that ain't right. If I were mentioning a favorite thing, I was going to toss a nod to, I do love that Elle saves her in that moment because it's a reconnection of their kind of best friendship. I just love mm-hmm. that about it. Um, I just love that because Max is completely unaware that Elle is even aware of anything or even in the perimeter. So Elle saving her in that moment is really energizing and thrilling. So, um, okay, uh, Nathan, what is your that ain't right for episode nine? Um, it's already been mentioned a couple times and, and occasionally will defer, but it feels like such a strong one. I, I just want to echo it. And that's the, the promised, even if undelivered upon emotional gravity of Max and Lucas post her being assaulted is, mm. is very Asia use the word upsetting, which is appropriate. It's just harrowing. It is kind of devastating and this is what i mean earlier two hours ago when i said then follow through it's like it's like you've you've teed up such a traumatizing sort of thing that it feels a little so so my my in text that ain't right is just that scene yeah my meta text that ain't right is is you kind of cheated by just not following through and and again like I, I understand the weight of even suggesting, hey, kill this character everybody loves. But like, like you you took it that far. Like just mm-hmm. it, it feels kind of cheap to to kind of pull back when they went that far with it. Because again, there's the physical mechanics of how Vecna preys on people, which is terrible and 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 violent and and pretty awful. Uh, and then there's that emotional component added there, which is these lovely yeah. kids just can't together in in the way that would be healthy and good for them uh and and yeah, yeah so that's my that right 
No, I agree. I agree. So that has been yet another installment of... That sure as hell ain't right. So as we venture our way into theme before we wind it down, I am. Uh, it, it's difficult because I'm sure we all came loaded with with something that we want to say. So we'll do our best to sort of uh, flavor in as much as we can. I'm going to go specifically to Jess for one specific reason. Uh, is because earlier you were mentioning something in, I think, your favorite thing about it that you said could bridge away into theme. So mm-hmm. I just want to give you a chance to expand upon that a little bit doesn't have to be long or maybe it ventures into some broader places but then we'll kind of go around and see what everybody else has so pivoting to you what you what you got on the sure. theme that works out well because that last scene although i put it for that ain't right what became right that i just loved was that when you realize that lucas is not like that that was vecna that Lucas is there yeah, rooting for yeah. her and caring for her. And to me, this Asia, I agree with you. There's like 500 themes throughout this show. And it, it's, it's kind of hard because I feel like I would kind of start looking for one thing and then I'd find something else. But what I ended up landing on was in their relationship and just with Max in general, like just the idea of shame and isolation. Like I just mm. feel like mm. how she has really just isolated herself this season. Yeah. She's not really hanging out with her friends at all. She's in a bad place with her family and just this idea. And then it's like you meet Chrissy and here's Chrissy kind of doing the same thing. Right. She's having and the idea of like these voices in our head. And I'm like, this is universal. We have these messages. We hear these things and it makes us want to isolate. And then how French are the ones that are kind of like pulling them out. And you really see it the most with Max, obviously, the concerted effort to like go in to help her, you know, run up the hill, all of that. But I loved just that whole theme. And that's where like for all of the nonsense that we kind of have put up with, I would put up with it again, just because A, I know so many teenagers love this show my kids love this show and i feel like it's showing something that is just an epidemic with our kids just feeling lonely and isolated and all these things and i just really feel like they did a service in Mm -hmm. just showing how this friendship and just pulling these kids out of this isolation. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's coming together. If any of you guys saw anything like that, felt anything like that. So 100%, uh, I won't, I won't speak long about this, but I think I mentioned in a previous patron segment, I'm just going to tack on this, like stranger things gets relationships, right. For the most part, for whatever it stumbles with narratively, the reason why we invest so much into that is because those character relationships feel very real. They feel very organic. And I love, it is a thing I consistently love about the show. It is a thing I still love about season four for all the things I ding it for is when the darkness clouds in, you, you articulated it wonderfully, Jess, that these voices we hear in our heads that isolate us, that shame us, that cast us down, what pulls characters in Stranger Things out of that is relationship. So, yes, the Walkman plays running up that hill, but what she sees in her mind's eye are all the relationships that connect. Silly as, 
silly plot wise as I would call L saving Max at the end, they still they refrain all of the images, the relation, the relationship, the time they've spent together. And I, I, I appreciate what you've pointed out there, and I appreciate that the show is transmitting a lot about the power of relationship to dispel darkness. I, I genuinely love that about it because there's not a lot of widely popular stuff out there that does that. Um, and so it is, it is really great. Thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah. Vera, go ahead. Um, yeah, just yes. ending the both of you in that um, I agree with what Asia said that they tried to shoehorn a lot of, thematic elements especially in the last couple of episodes but um when i think of this season my brain goes to what you just talked about reed it goes back to dear billy it goes back to you know max putting in a letter confronting her feelings um the the ghost of billy a but actual vecna coming to her and telling her her innermost thoughts and fears out loud and her almost losing herself in that hopelessness, but then finding hope and finding the reason to keep going through those relationships and friendships that she's made. Right. And then that song telling her to just keep running up that hill. So, um, I, yeah. And, and I, you, you said it perfectly is that what they do best is, is showcasing relationships, showcasing the value of a close group of friends, showcasing that even though you're an outcast, like you are worthy of friendship, yeah. you are worthy of love. You see that again this season with Bill, um, with Eddie. Um, yeah. And even like, even though Chrissy only had like 20 minutes of screen time or something like that, like her and, and Eddie's connection, her, you know, wanting to get drugs, but then finding a friend in Eddie and, yeah. you know, not not going that route that maybe a lot of teenagers these days might do might go in order to find some comfort from that isolation that they're they're feeling right from those yeah. those quote unquote negative heavy emotions mm-hmm. um and and finding a friend so yeah. i i love that about this season i think that was really strong yeah absolutely absolutely um asia what you got on that or anything else I think the the theme that stuck with me as I was rewatching this episode specifically, and I do think that it does span over to the whole season, is where it's been brought up before, but where Lucas and Max are silently writing notes to each other in the murder house. Mm. And he asks her out to a movie on Friday while they're in the middle of this incredibly tense, deadly situation. And it really resonated with me, something that I've been having to learn a lot recently, which is you have to, you have to live like there's going to be a tomorrow, regardless Mm. of how bad the circumstances are, regardless of how hopeless it looks regardless of what's happening around you and how much others in your sphere are prophesying doom, Mm. you have to live like there's going to be a tomorrow. Mm. You you just have to. And 
even us as viewers, you know, we all kept saying, oh, our, we know our favorite characters are about to die, or we highly anticipate these other characters are not going to make it out because of all these hints they've been dropping throughout the season. But it's so important to never forget that even if it's just pretend, you have to pretend like there's going to be a tomorrow. Mm. Because at least in my worldview, there will be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I and I yeah, I struggle with that one a lot, but it was just I felt like it was very poignantly demonstrated tangibly in this episode specifically. So yeah, Nathan. Yeah, because I don't know when I'll shut up after responding to that. So you go. <laughs> I I it's funny, I've been listening and and I've got a quote written down here of Max's that I kept wondering because believe it or not, I can shut up sometimes and, and try to be deferential and a, and a, a gracious host. Um, but it feels worth throwing out here almost as a, as a pastoral note, because I think my uncynical self who still wants to believe in the, 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 the germ of what stranger things is and can be, can find these things. And I think what really was interesting and, and, and hopefully they, follow these breadcrumbs thematically in a more concise next season, but um, is the nature of Vecna as this predatory force. And, and, and what I wrote down, and then I'll get to this quote, it says Vecna preys on those already in pain. And Max delivers this line. And I th it might be in the finale, but it might not, it, but it's, it's around there. Um, there's just so much. But I think she says to Lucas, it's who she's talking to. She says, he only sees us in the darkness. So I'll just run in the opposite direction to the light. And I'll hide in the light. And, and when I say perhaps a pastoral note, because I say it as much to myself as I say it to you, my friends, as I say it to our listeners, as I want to say it to the family inside my house's walls of like, it's okay to hide. It's okay. Like we can't uh, rich Mullins. We're awful small and not as strong as we think we are comes to mind. I think this about myself. Sometimes I'm like, you, you are, you are wanting to shoulder too much mm. emotional, psychological energy that is not required of you. It's okay to hide in the light. It's okay to run and hide in the light. Those are active things. Those are things with intention. And that light, we can be, you know, use our evangelical baggage language and call it Jesus, and perhaps it is, but as this show identifies and as y'all are talking, it's also positive peer dynamics, friendship, trustworthy ones in our life. You know, Jess, you mentioned a minute ago, about i can't remember exactly your verbiage but it pinged for me of parenting my wife and i were talking recently just about the burden we feel because our kids just through our own life circumstances coupled with covid just have pretty limited social engagement and and how that's hard to to to, to know what to do with because to whatever the age difference the five of us have, we all grew up in eras where there was nothing that would 
inherently keep us from social dynamics with peers. Mm. And, and I said that to my wife recently, I said, you know, we can't ignore the fact that these kids are living through an era that is unprecedented and, and they are kind of starving for the light to put a real fine point on it for a place to hide that isn't the darkness where Vecna prays. So yeah, I, I, I can, uh, in my better moments, find the value in what I want to be the through line of this sort of season. And that, that line she delivers really sings out because I think we've circled before as far as stranger things go, or maybe I've just heard it in, in ancillary listening. I do of this notion of belonging that the show, when it does right by itself, it's about people just wanting to belong and, and, and finding belonging, not just pining for. Uh, and so I love the idea that for Max hiding in the light is where she can be, where she can evade her worst voices, uh, and what can get amplified, which is the voice not of her own, um, that, that would incriminate or condemn. Anyway, so that's kind yeah. of what stranger things says to me. The, mm. Where to go? Where to go? <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> so, okay. I have to say this because, um, so, so it is, it is, uh, rare for me to have such a, such a passionate, visceral response to certain things. But, um, Asia, you're the first person in the world in my life that I have ever heard say this. The phrase that we are bombarded to death with is, Live like there's no tomorrow, no day but today. That is the what what is posited as the antidote to complacency. And what I so almost cussed freaking love is we're talking about relationship. We're talking about preservation, Nathan, like you talk about. We're talking about uh, protecting what's sacred. We're talking about digging into relationship to dispel the darkness, hiding in the light and living the simple way you phrase it, live, you have to live like there's a tomorrow, not only for your sake, but for everybody around you, you have mm -hmm. to live like there's a tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You have to live like there's something going on. And we have too many damn people in this world living like, well, not my problem, not, not going to be something that I have to worry about. And I'm not even talking about sociopolitical, whatever else I'm talking about the sensibility that would say, uh, no, I, you know, I, I, I need to take and I need to consume and I need to hoard and I need to protect and mm. I need to do all of that instead of recognizing like, no, 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 I am going to live like there is going to be something to move on into and to move on for. I'm going to, I'm going to reposition my life like there is an after me and how humbling that is and how prophetic it is to say there is an after me. There is, there is going to be something that's going to move beyond this space that what we see around us is not all there is. Um, I shared this very briefly, super, super briefly. I'm going to say this, and this is going to be where Reed, uh, rare these days, but where Reed puts on the sermon hat. So this is my fedora. I'm going to put on the sermon hat for just a second. I shared this very, very briefly when we had our episode like six years ago or five and a half years ago on the mummy. But I shared something one time in a sermon that I delivered. It's one of the two or three sermons that when people have known me for a long time that they still uh, will sometimes mention to me about hearing. 
that I talked about, I said, um, when Moses was in Egypt and he was trying to lead the people out of slavery at, by God's compulsion, um, the people in e- Egypt had been there because the scripture says that generations had come and gone. So the people who were living in Egypt at the time had only known Egypt. Egypt was their context. Egypt was the only thing they could see. So their concept of freedom was not freedom beyond Egypt, but was freedom within Egypt. Their concept of power was Pharaoh, not power beyond Pharaoh. And I'm not going to rehash the whole sermon, but that is what I consider to be and would would compel us. I'll bring it back to Stranger Things, I promise. But what I would compel us that there is a holy imagination, which is beyond, which talks about beyond this, beyond me, beyond us, beyond what we see, because it can get so frustrating and discouraging and debilitating to look at the the present that we have, the situation that we have, and we, you know, I, I, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, so I'm not able to quote it effectively, but it's Samwise talking about the, the uh, there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Like, yeah, sure, there's a lot of darkness. I was having a text exchange with a friend of mine. I don't know who all has seen True Detective Season 1. I'm not going to get into the, the, the plot of that first season, but I will mention how it ends because it ends after a supremely dark and heavy and violent sequence of, of stories. It ends with these two characters sharing a moment where they look up at the stars and one of them postulates and says, did you ever stop to think that at one point there was only darkness, no stars? And then he says, look at all those stars. I think the light's winning. And it just energizes me so much and that is something you know what we've beat on it we've beat up on it and rightfully so some of these narrative plot wrinkles deserve some beating up they deserve to be they deserve to be beat up so much they're leaning over the hood of the car like steve harrington in season one with a coke can on their face they deserve that beat down okay (laughs) they deserve that beat down these narrative plot points but i think Part of why I still fight for this show, still watch it, why I will still eagerly be ready for season five is kind of what we're all scratching at, which is the spirit underneath the show, which says you can have healing and wholesome relationships that remind you who you are when everything else around you wants to lie to you and can remind you that there's a tomorrow worth fighting for, regardless of the Vecnas of the world, regardless of big, scary mind flayers, regardless of all this other stuff, there is a tomorrow worth pushing forward into. And I will end my whole rant, maybe my whole contribution to this episode, and then I'll go to Vera, uh, with Steve, a quote from Steve Harrington. Um, when I was a baby, I actually crawled backwards. You know, I'd push with my hands like this, like beep, beep, always in reverse. Come on, it makes sense. You push to move, right? Well, it, it did to my tiny Harrington brain. That is until I reversed my baby butt down a flight of stairs and thumped my head real good. I think like right out of the gate, like I'm super confident, but I'm also like an idiot, which is just, I mean, it's a brutal combination, but I mean, the good news is I get a big enough thump on my head. I can change, you know, <clears throat> here's what I want to absorb in my own heart. I can change, you know, sure. I got a big bump on my head. I got a big thump. I was stupid. I was an idiot. I made a mistake but I can learn and I can crawl forward. I'm going to live like there has to be a tomorrow and I can crawl forward. I'm Vera, you got the mic. I'm out. Um, I have the, the Lord of the Rings quote in front of me, um, mm. but I just want to m- mention something before I read it. Um, 
because you reminded me of a conversation I had with Rob the other day. Rob and I, you guys all know this, Rob and I are going on a trip to Italy um, in October. And one of the things that we're really excited to do is attend Mass um, at the Vatican. We really want to go check that out. I think it'll be really cool. Um, and some of the Duomos there. And um, we were talking about the difference between like Catholic Church and Protestant churches, like many differences. But one of the major differences is how sparse um, Protestant churches tend to be. And, and there is reason for that, but it is almost as if the pendulum swung too far the other way and they got rid of all of the beauty within mm. the environment of mm-hmm. the church. And and the reason being that, you know, Catholic church hoarding wealth and uh, among ex- extreme poverty is an awful thing, um, but there is some value to the beauty that you can have in a place that draws people in and yeah. helps them find the light. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether mm-hmm. it's a beautiful stained glass window or the architecture of a church that the people who started building it were never going to see the end of because it was going to take 500 years. But they had a vision in mind and mm-hmm. they had faith that that was going to be completed and it, it did get completed. And it's beautiful, whether it's, you know, the memories you have of friendships, um, whether it's like a club that you belong to, but a finding a place that you can find beauty in. Um, And be drawn towards that light is something that's really important. But the Lord of the Rings quote is Frodo says, Sam, I can't do this. Sam says, I know it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad has happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now folks in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't because they were holding on to something. Frodo, what are we holding on to, Sam? Sam, that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Thank you, Bob Newby. R.I.P. Bob <laughs> Newby. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, it's it. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It does my heart good. Um, this is the moment where we can either pivot to fog meter, or we can. If anybody has anything, I'll say this. If anything, if anybody has any burning thing to throw in before we go to fog meter, do it now. Nathan, I saw that hand kind of oh, no, towards was, your brow. It was uh, if we're not playing to a pursuit, let's go to fog meter. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Nope, Asia, nope. yes, yep, yep. This is this is just a little tiny thing to sort of little hat to put on what I had said, but this is something that goes along with it, and I think this is also very well demonstrated in the show. But it's it's helped me, and since we're going to all of these very um, emotional, spiritual places with our discussion here. My father has been in the habit of saying something to me since I was a child, and I have always found it incredibly helpful. He said that in order to survive emotionally, which is a huge portion of surviving physically, in order to survive, humans need three things. They need something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. Mm. If you have none of these, you will not make it. If you have even one, you're in a better place. And the most important is something to look forward to. 
Because if you don't have something to do and you don't have someone to love, you can always hope and believe that you will. The most important thing for human survival is hope. Mm. And that's always been a helpful orienting Mm. piece for me in my life because it, it allows me to check off what am I doing? Do I have something that I'm doing that I can throw myself into? Um, you know, do I, am I, do I, am I isolated Mm. and can I run towards those people of light and hide with them? And do I believe that there is a tomorrow, you know? So that's, that's been a helpful tool for me. So I figured I'd just plop it here and see if anybody wanted it. Grateful for it. Appreciative (laughs) for it. Appreciative for all of you spending your time with us, both hashing out some really, really bad storytelling and highlighting some exceptionally crafted themes uh, that all the complex myriad of things that brought to us by Stranger Things. Want to tie a bow on it and go to the fog meter? Yep. That good? Okay. All right. So fog meter, our very specific metric of fear and God, this fog meter is not going to be exclusively about the episode, the piggyback, but about season four as a whole. Okay, so consider the entirety of season four. Um, Nathan, I am going to start with you and then go around in a circle. So, Nathan, what would you give Stranger Things season four on the whole on the fear measurement? I mean, I'll I'll give them this one for sure. Uh, episode one, I remember being like, oh, my God, what <laughs> have we gotten ourselves into? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the severity, the ferocity uh, I, I kind of wish it was leavened with a bit more light, but, um, you know, if season four delivers on anything, it's the impression of fearfulness and the presentation of, of a new level of kind of violence and horror to the show itself. So, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to give a metric here. Um, <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> uh, comparable to where it's been. I'll, I'll give it a nine. All right. Vera, you're up. What would you give season four for fear? Yeah, the like Vecna's kill method, the creature design of Vecna himself, um, Robert England being in the season and the Victor Creel eyes. Like there's so much this season that is actually scary compared to previous seasons. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Awesome. Awesome. I hear that. Asia, what do you give it? Um, Yeah, excellent. Very scary. Wow, boo, very scary. Um, <laughs> Good words. Uh, I'm feeling it. I, the The number that resonates in my heart is 8.5. All right. So that's what I'm going with. That I, I accept it. Uh, Jess, what are you up with for the fear meter? I think you guys have captured everything I've been thinking. Like it, it ticked up, like mm-hmm. in scary and visually, like. Oh, terrifying. Um, I'm going to say eight. Eight. Okay. Um, I'm right there with all of you guys. Uh, just, just waffling back and forth between an eight and a nine. So I think I'm also going to land at an eight and a half for the fear measurement. Definitely ticked it up. Uh, we, I haven't mentioned this yet, and then I'll go right to God meter. Uh, just, just this past week, my son finally reached an age where we walked through season one together. We watched one episode per night. Uh, it was a joy to feel joyous about this show again. 
Um, and it was, it was really wonderful, but in the conversations and everything, we were like, you ain't ready for four, <laughs> like, like the scary, like he's 10, like you ain't ready for four. Um, so yeah, so eight and a half for me on the God meter. Um, I, I have a heart for this show in the sense that the show has ignited my imagination, given me characters that will reside there forever. That makes me want to be generous to something that I feel like was overly bloated and in this season in isolation. So this does not reflect my feelings on stranger things on a whole, but this season in isolation, I'm going to give a four on the God meter because I feel like they had everything and the kitchen sink didn't quite know how to rein that down into a tight focused message the way they have in previous seasons. So I'm going with a four for that. And so, uh, yes. What would you give it snaking back around? Jess, what would you give it? Oh, well, I'm going to just ruin your uh, four with a, a nine. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I, um, you know, even though Coming the in hot. had a lot of holes, I mm-hmm. feel like just the everything I'd mentioned before about the themes, like just really stuck out to me mm-hmm. and just Vecna, such a personified evil. Like it just... Um, yeah, I don't know. Just really that play of dark and light. Sure, sure, absolutely. Asia, what do you give it? I think I, I think for this, I'm feeling a six. It's okay. like it's it's so strong, but it like I I feel like the themes that are there and the substance that is there is so intensely strong. So mm-hmm. I, it goes above a five for me, but it, then it just gets repressed and bogged <laughs> down by by all of this other other stuff so it's it's a very constipated six (laughs) (laughs) a constipated six i love it that's great okay could have been higher but it's not sure exactly it's a little more fiber what's funny is i i would not have thought this season was constipated it is at least (laughs) least from a runtime standpoint Mm, okay all right (laughs) too much fiber and we're not going to follow that analogy further. Vera, <laughs> for, for the God meter, what did you give season four? Um, I, yeah, for the Dear Billy episode alone, That's, I think that yeah. that brings it to five for me. And then I'm going to give it one more and land at a six um, right. for the conversation between um, between Will and Jonathan when oh, they're stirring the salt. Up. Yep. yep. Um, I think that that's a really poignant conversation and needed to happen. And I thought it was really beautiful. And then the conversation at the end between uh, Mr. Munson and Dustin um, talking about what a hero Eddie was. So like, so that one episode brings it just to a five, those other two scenes, um, it, it takes it up an extra to a six for me. But yeah, other than that, I just, I feel like it's really muddled. I feel like those to me are just the clearest um it's it's the best evidence that sometimes they do know what they're doing and they just yeah they need to put more of that in <laughs> yeah no i totally uh nathan before you give your meter i thank you for calling out the will and jonathan moment i do love that moment um having just rewatched season one with my wife and my son and jonathan's passion for finding will mm-hmm. i was remembering that season two and season three largely sidelines that relationship so yes. it was nice and rewatching piggyback that they reconnect and it's like, Oh yeah, they're brothers and they're there for each other. It's, it's earned. It's sweet. It's genuine. And I'm glad you brought it up. So uh, yeah, thank you for that. Nathan, bring us home. What would you give season four for the God meter? Hmm. I feel like this is very challenging 
and which feels like it's an indicator of of how all over the place and a bit misshapen the, the thematic ideas overall are i think i think the the mac stuff we've honed in on is super strong uh i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna join my brother at a four uh because to go lower feels mean to go higher feels like giving them a little more credit than i think is there for the mm. focus um so so four for me on all right season. that means that we give season four on the total uh, I think the fear meter really saved it, but that's a seven out of 10. We give it on the fog meter for the season four, which is still a pretty strong showing. Right. Um, we can generalize this because this is very difficult. Um, I'll start on the recommendation factor and then anybody else can, can kind of chime in how you want um, is the reality is I still strongly recommend stranger things like full stop. I, st- I still strongly recommend the show. It's a wonderful show. I would definitely say, Hey, Got a brace for season four. It's gonna it, it's gonna put you through it a little bit. Both ramps up the fear, ramps up the runtime, everything else. Um, but like, if you've already watched three seasons and you're liking it, then I wouldn't tell you to stop. I would I would tell you to keep keep going and keep running up that hill. And I still absolutely recommend Stranger Things. Um, everybody else, if we recommend the show, I am. I'm, I'm asking you to. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the thing. It's, would you recommend? Would you tell somebody to avoid season four? That's the question. I, I wouldn't say yes to that. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> Which is why well, I didn't bother going I'll, around in the I'll, thing. I'll, Asia, were you about to start? I, I to didn't know who was supposed to. So I was. Yeah, just round robin it. Whoever pop popcorn up. I mean, I, I here's a, so I have raved about the season to those whom I think would enjoy it. And I have completely told certain friends of mine, do not watch this mm, because yeah, I, gotcha. have, I have I have friends on all gam if if you are not well if you're listening to this you're probably a horror fan but if you're wondering (laughs) if you should you know watch this season with a spouse or a younger child or just somebody who is very sensitive to horror and does not share your affinity for it no (laughs) or at least like censor certain elements for them because it's it's extremely intense but if you like horror then oh yeah yeah it's a (laughs) no-brainer for me yeah Jess, Vera, Jess, Jess Vera. Yeah. I'm just going to piggyback on Asia. You said it exactly right. I think it's where you fall knowing mm-hmm. your audience. But as far as if you like season, I mean, if you've liked the other seasons, I would recommend it and say, you're probably going to get frustrated, but I feel like it's worth the storytelling frustration for the good elements. There's some, yeah. there's still some good stuff there. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Vera. Yeah, um, I I would recommend it with the same caveats that everyone else has. Like um, the when I'm doing fan expo, there's two of us interpreters that do every panel, and we switch roles every 15 minutes. So one person's the on interpreter, and the other person is monitoring to make sure that they're capturing anything and feeding anything that gets missed. And then you switch roles every 15 minutes, right? Gotcha. For the Stranger Things panel, I did the entire 45 minutes because the other interpreter. Um, tried to watch the first episode and could not handle the, the fear kills. And Ooh. so she, she just had, she was like, I will just support for this whole panel. And I was like, that's fine. I can do it. So they're like, I understand people who feel that because the horror is like way jacked up there this season, can't watch it. Like maybe give them the episodes that like, or the scenes to skip over but there is sure. a lot of value in in watching it because there is 
there's some really great stuff. You have to mine through a lot to get to, to the really great stuff, but it is there and it is still worth watching. I am definitely going to tune into season five. Me too. Me too. Nathan, bring us home. Um, you know, on a, on a, if we're going by strict definitions of words, it is hard for me to recommend season four. Um, I mean, I would never say start stranger things, but skip season four. That's dumb. It, 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 they are pieces of a whole. And so I can totally respect that. But the energy I had, like, I can't quite articulate it. Uh, I ended episode seven of season four on a high. It turned fast and hard in a plummeting fashion pretty quickly. I don't, I can't even articulate exactly what, but something in the water of season of episode eight suddenly turned me into, uh, oh, um, I can't tell what's going on here, but it's the opposite of what I wanted. Um, was it because they made us wait for that? No, yeah. well, I mean, yeah. maybe, but, but I think, I think the end of seven is such a crescendo and a high mythologically for the show. But the hard part for me is, is, and I thought this a lot in the latter episodes for this run of conversations is it's not fun. It's not what I love about yeah. the show is the dark and the interplay of the light right. and the jovial and the, the, the bubbly and the effervescent aspects. The and, innocence. And season season yeah, four yeah. is they, not that. I feel and, like they only captured that in one scene. It's when they're in the pizza shop and um, mm-hmm. makes the, yeah. the goggles and they're all like joking around a little bit. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, oh, hey. Hey, well, that here and you guys like are. The, the opening D&D fight or the opening yeah. D&D game is such a promise that never kind of materializes beyond that. Like, right. so, so long went away of simply saying, um, I love season three to me. It's the pinnacle, uh, thus far, um, uh, as, as a total package season four, I will brisk, I will skim for, for when five comes out. I will right now, <laughs> right now it's too soon. I'm not, I'm not. If you were to, if yeah. you were to tell me season five comes out six months from now, I'd, I'd say I'm good. I'm not going to rewatch for yeah. and prep for it. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, I I don't uh, in so far as endorse uh, season four. I do endorse and recommend Stranger Things the show. Uh, I think that's I think that's well put, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we have yes. our, I think this is thank our you. first official quarterly queens crossover into right. into this conversation <laughs> so that is really really nice and that also puts a button on our mega series on stranger things i know it keeps asking me if i'm playing music um so 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 that concludes our stranger things coverage we hope you've enjoyed it um and uh and i certainly have walked away with a lot of things that make me appreciate the show and the experience of watching it even more next week we're officially in spooky season, y'all. It is here. Woo-hoo. I know it's going to still be September, but we celebrate Halloween all year around here. And we are this holiday spooky season celebrating Halloween at Halloween. That's right. So we are going to be starting the marathon moving through the entirety of the Halloween franchise. Some films that we've already covered. You can revisit our episode on the original, the OG Halloween. You can revisit our episode on Season of the Witch. You can revisit our episode on 2018 in preparation. You can do all that. We're going to be brisking through those and covering in depth the films that we have not covered yet, which means that next week, the film you absolutely need to see because it's going to be the extensive conversation is the original sequel to the first Halloween movie. That is 1981's Halloween 2, directed by Rick Rosenthal. It was produced by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. So there's still some gang hanging around, but we'll talk about all of that next week. And for the patron segment, something a little fun. If you are uh, if you can't uh, see us on audio, I'm wearing a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror uh, t-shirt. For the patrons, 
we're going to be marching our way through the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Just <laughs> little episode at <laughs> a time. We're going we're gonna to have some fun. So for the patrons, uh, you can also check out the very, very first Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode from season two. That'll be there. But the main content will be starting our Halloween at Halloween with Halloween 2 from 1981. So, as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Vera, thank you so much. Asia, thank you so much. Jess, thank you so much. Nathan, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you, thank you all so much. Yeah, thanks. This has been a See pleasure. See you next week. See you next week, everybody. Bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>